This is Third Eyesight. My name is Juan Francisco, and I'm a medium and tarot card reader. I've always been curious about the supernatural and the paranormal, and I'm here to share my stories and interview folks who want to share their own stories with us. Let's get to it. Happy Halloween, everybody. I am impressed by how fast time has gone by. We're already at Halloween. Last week, we celebrated the first year anniversary or the first birthday of Third Eyesight. And around the corner was Halloween. And I actually forgot that I started Third Eyesight uh, very close to the Halloween holiday last year, a year ago. And I wanted to release an episode today focused on Halloween and its history. But before we get into that, I wanted to go into what my Halloween was like growing up. I mean, it was so exciting and way more kids were out on the street trick-or-treating than in the 90s than they are today. I have to say I'm a little sad that it's not the case today that many kids go out and trick-or-treat, at least the way that they used to when I was a kid. And I understand at the same time, I mean, they're, they're, uh, I mean the world sometimes feel like it's gotten a little crazier than it used to be, although it's always been a little crazy. But I get it. I get why people get nervous about their kids being out trick-or-treating at night. Um, I mean, unless you join your kids, I imagine that's not an issue then. But I get it. I get it. And people put things in candy. They're just, there's some really crazy, crazy people out there. But yeah, Halloween used to be really exciting. It, the street was filled with kids in the neighborhood. It was a spooky, scary time. I've mentioned before how much I used to love staying up at night during the Halloween season and watched the Disney Channel late, late, late at night. We had the privilege of having cable TV. I got to watch um, at the very late night hours, which as a kid was like 11 p.m. Oh, so naughty of me. 11 p.m. Seeing some music videos, like the Thriller music video playing on Disney Channel. I'm seeing... And like I've mentioned this before, there used to be a cartoon that would play of these skeletons dancing to creepy music. And I forget what it was, where it came from or something. I don't know. But I have that memory. And I remember movies like Escape from Witch Mountain, which is W-I-T-C-H, with the two little kids that have the gifts. And it's, I remember these movies, watching them as a kid on Disney Channel. And I loved being spooked. I mean, I hated it, but I loved it. And I think it speaks to my interest in what we talk about on this podcast. I've always had an interest in things that were spooky or things that were mysterious. And Halloween was a huge, huge part of that for me as a kid. And I I grew up in Miami, as I mentioned before uh, in the podcast. And I went to a Catholic school where Halloween was fine. We would dress up. Then I went to a Protestant high school where it was pretty frowned upon, but I celebrated anyways with my friends at their home. And uh, regardless of my fundamentalist Christian experiences that I had and my belief system I had for, that I held for a while in high school and into college, I never stopped celebrating Halloween. I just loved it way too much to give it up, regardless of <laughs> what a religion made me feel was the right thing to do. And so I still love Halloween. I still love scary movies. That reminds me, I actually own the movie Nosferatu, the the silent movie from the 20s. And I really want to watch it. I need to watch it because I bought it a while ago digitally. 
And I would like to catch up with other scary movies. I feel like I, I there's so many scary movies that are worth watching. I just haven't watched them all. So I'm still very much into the spirit of Halloween. And I think it's a very interesting holiday. It's It has quite a history. And so I'm going to go into that a little bit right now. So in summary, the Encyclopedia Britannica says this, or puts it the best. Uh, Halloween's pagan origins can be traced to the Celtic festival of Samhain. And just a note, if you've seen this word, you might have pronounced it Samhain before. Not going to lie, I've read it and used to pronounce it that way until I heard it said. And it is Samhain. So Halloween's pagan origins can be traced to the Celtic festival of Samhain. Celebrated in ancient England and Ireland to mark the beginning of the Celtic New Year, the souls of the dead were supposed to revisit their homes on Samhain Eve, and witches, goblins, black cats, and ghosts were said to roam abroad. The night was also thought to be the most favorable time for divinations concerning marriage, luck, health, and death. And the pagan observances influenced the Christian festival of All Hallows' Eve, celebrated on the same date, and the holiday was gradually secularized and was introduced into the U.S. by the late 19th century by European immigrants who brought Halloween customs with them and helped popularize the holiday. And by the 20th century, Halloween had become uh, one of the principal holidays in the United States, especially among children. Now, History.com has a really good article, and I'm going to link to both of these resources in the description of this podcast episode. So, Halloween is known as, quote, uh, well, a holiday that, that is meant to, quote, welcome in the harvest and usher in the dark half of the year uh, in terms of winter, you know, the winter part of the year, at least for the hemisphere that I live in. And that's the other thing, you know, I guess, well, I guess it goes back to the ancient Celts, right? Because then it goes into, into this part of, its, uh, of the article on history.com. Ancient Celts marked Samhain as the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals taking place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. And during this time of the year, hearth fires in family homes were left to burn out while the harvest was gathered. After the harvest work was complete, celebrants joined of druid priests to light a community fire using a wheel that would cause friction and spark flames. Sounds kind of dangerous, but we'll continue. The wheel was considered a representation of the sun and used along with prayers. Cattle were sacrificed, and participants took a flame from the communal bonfire back to their home to relight the hearth. Now, I am paraphrasing all this, by the way. Um, I am reading it as I'm speaking to you right now, but I'm also going to paraphrase a little bit. So this is not all quote from History.com's article, but I'm trying to represent it as best as I can and add a little bit of my, you know, my humorous comments here and there. Anywho. Continuing, early texts present Samhain as a mandatory celebration lasting three days and three nights where the community was required to show themselves to local kings or chieftains. The failure to participate was believed to result in punishment from the gods, usually illness or death. There was also a military aspect to Samhain in Ireland with holiday thrones prepared for commanders of soldiers, and anyone who committed a crime or used their weapons during the celebration faced a death sentence. Some documents mention six days of drinking alcohol to excess, typically mead or beer, along with gluttonous feasts. Now, there were some monsters associated with Samhain for the Celts. 
They believed that the barrier between worlds was breachable uh, during Samhain, and they prepared offerings that were left outside villages and fields for fairies. And it was expected that ancestors might cross over during this time as well. And Celts would dress as animals and monsters so that fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. Uh, some specific monsters were associated with the mythology surrounding Samhain, including a shape-shifting uh, shape creature called a puka that receives harvest off uh, offerings from the field. And the Lady Gwyn is a headless woman dressed in white who chases night wanderers and was accompanied by a black pig. Pause. A headless woman dressed in white accompanied by a black pig that chases you. That is wild. The Dulahan sometimes appeared as impish creatures, sometimes headless men on horses who carried their heads. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Like the headless horsemen of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, riding flame-eyed horses, their appearance was a death omen to anyone who encountered them. A group of hunters known as the Fairy Host might also haunt Sa uh, Samhain. And say, I almost did. I almost said Samhain. I almost said Samhain, but it's not Samhain. It's Samhain. The Fairy Host might also haunt Samhain and kidnap people. And similar are the, the Sluach, I think I'm pronouncing it right, who would come from the West to enter houses and steal souls. Now let's go into the Middle Ages, the medieval times. As the Middle Ages progressed, so did the celebrations of the fire festivals. Bonfires that were more personal Samhain fires nearer the farms became a tradition purportedly to protect families from fairies and witches. Carved turnips called jack-o'-lanterns began to appear, attached by strings to sticks and embedded with coal. Later, Irish tradition switched to pumpkins. In Wales, Men tossed burning wood at each other in violent games and set off fireworks. <laughs> in northern England, men paraded with noisemakers. I'll take the noisemakers over the flying burning wood. Thank you very much. Now let's switch to the Christian influence. As Christianity gained a foothold in pagan communities, church leaders attempted to reframe Samhain as a Christian celebration. The first attempt was by Pope Boniface in the 5th century. He moved the celebration to May 13 and specified it as a day of celebrating saints and martyrs. The fire festivals of October and November, however, did not end with this decree. In the 9th century, Pope Gregory moved the celebration back to the time of the fire festivals but declared it All Saints Day on November 1st. All Souls Day would follow on November 2nd. Now, we have Samhain and the ancient traditions, and then the Christian influence that comes in. Now we're going to talk about how it merged with Halloween. So, neither new holiday of All Saints Day or All Souls Day, uh, or rather, nor, wait, I said neither. Well, neither nor, I, but I said neither or. Whatever. Anyways, neither new holiday of All Saints Day nor All, Sa All Souls Day <laughs> did away with the pagan aspects of the celebration. October 31st became known as All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, and contained much of the traditional pagan practices before being adopted in, the 19th, century, uh, in 19th century America through Irish immigrants bringing their traditions across the ocean. Trick-or-treating is said to have been derived from ancient Irish and Scottish practices in the nights leading up to Samhain. In Ireland, mumming was the practice of putting on costumes going door to door, and singing songs to the dead. Cakes were given as payment. Now, I would totally sign up for that. Pay me in cakes, and I'm there. Halloween pranks also have been a tradition in Samhain. 
though in the ancient celebration, tricks were typically blamed on fairies. Now, in terms of the more contemporary more contemporary traditions or, or more contemporary relationships to these traditions, uh, a broad revival of Samhain resembling its traditional pagan form began in the 1980s with the growing popularity of Wicca. Pagans who embrace Celtic traditions with the intent of reintroducing them faithfully into modern paganism are called Celtic Reconstructionists. In this tradition, Samhain is called, I'm not going to say this right, Oishamna, O-I-C-H-E-S-H-A-M-N-H-N-A. And this celebrates the mating between Tuatha the Danan gods? Mm, two gods. <laughs> I apologize for anyone who celebrates this. I cannot pronounce these names. I don't want to disrespect these names. But it celebrates the mating between gods. But, oh, the two gods are Dagda and River Unis. And they are gods of the two of Tuatha the Danan. D-A-N-A-A-N. So that's as far as I went in this article by history.com. It's really interesting. Like I said, I'll hyperlink it in the description for this podcast episode. But what a journey Halloween has taken. And now we're at this point where, I mean, my goodness, it inspired a whole franchise of horror movies, right? It, it's such a has such an indelible mark on US culture and many cultures across the planet. And I find it really interesting that, as with many things, including the iconography and the imagery that the Roman Catholic Church uses, the way Christianity has adopted certain practices to convert people, because, I mean, this, this article didn't explicitly mention that, but I, I have a confident feeling that's why they did what they did with with. Samhain. They wanted to convert people who were of the pagan religion to Christianity, so they applied some Christian, uh, Christian themes to the holiday, and even moved the holiday to have their own May 13th, right? So the same was done outside of this, this topic, but the same was done from what I remember learning with images of the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. She's often showed with a snake below her foot, and with stars above her head, and also with a, a, a crescent moon under her foot as well, under her feet, rather, both her feet. Now, the snake below the feet, or the foot, that is probably a tie to the book of Genesis. I'm not sure if that's tied to any pagan imagery, but from what I've learned, the crescent moon under the feet and the stars above the head are definitely pagan symbols. And they were cleverly adopted, so pagans saw something familiar in the images they saw of the Virgin Mary. And I believe halos might also have something to do with paganism, but I don't quote me on that. I would have to look into that. That would actually be a very, very, very interesting podcast episode. I'm going to take a note of that right now. That's the history of Halloween. Really interesting. So let me know what you did for Halloween. I'm curious to know. You know, comment on the Instagram post for this podcast. And I'm curious also what you dressed up as for Halloween or what you dressed up your kids in. And happy November. <laughs> We're in the month of November tomorrow, which is insane. And that means the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States is coming up. Christmas is coming up, as well as Hanukkah. A slew of holidays in the new year. and. 
Can I get real for a moment? So I had kind of a tough day today, and whew, I am recording this the day before Halloween. And I just think I've been at this point. I'm totally switching gears now. I did not expect to talk about this, but I think I'm at a point where I am overbooking myself with social commitments. And I, in full honesty, I am trying to go on more dates with people because, I mean, I turned 30 this year and I'm like, I've been avoiding dating. Maybe it's time for me to start dating, just like put myself out there and just go on dates. And I'm like, seeing one person in the week, I'm like, I don't want to see anyone else. You know, with these dating apps, it's like, you have like three people you're talking to at once and they both, like two of them want to see you this week. I'm like, I don't want to see more than one person this week. So between that and just other commitments, like catching up with people, um, uh, in, in addition to doing the podcast and doing things on my website, I'm, I've been working on my newsletter this week that goes out tomorrow, which I'll mention that at the end of the podcast. There's just a lot happening. And I don't want anyone who's listening that I'm planning to see or that I'd recently seen feel bad. It's not about these individual people. They're all great people that I'm either getting to know or that I'm catching up with. It's just, I'm, I'm, I guess the more time goes by, the older I get. It's like I turned 30 and it just switched. The older I get, I just feel like I get so overwhelmed by being around a lot of people often. Maybe it's part of my mediumship development. Someone told me that recently. Uh, actually, a good friend who's a medium told me that the older she's gotten, she absorbs energies way more easily than she used to because of her awareness of the energies. And maybe that's happening to me too, but I don't know. Um... I'm going to be talking to a friend, a, a, a new friend I've made who's a medium. I'm going to ask for their opinion on it because I feel very weird. I used to be someone who used to be able to go out every weekend. And now I'm like, I just want to be at home and watch TV all weekend and play video games. Why am I mentioning this to you? I'm just thinking about there's a new month coming. November 1st is tomorrow, even though I'm recording this two days before. But you know how podcasting works. November 1st is tomorrow, and 2022 ends in two months. And I think one of my New Year's resolutions is going to be to have only one or one and a half social commitments in a weekend and have it be every other weekend because I'm so busy. Oh my goodness, it's so busy and it's so hard to say no. And you know, when you feel so committed to something, you just want to do it. And I, with the podcast, doing readings, they make me feel so excited. And I, I want to really prioritize this work that I really enjoy doing. In addition to this work, I have my nine to five job, like I've told you folks. So, you know, I'm glad I brought this up because I, this is to remind myself, to remind you, today's Halloween, tomorrow's November 1st. The end of the year is going to get here probably faster than we think it will. So maybe let's start thinking about how we want our 2023 to look. What are the goals we have? What are the things we want to manifest for ourselves? For me, I want to manifest quieter weekends. That's what I want to manifest for myself. I want to also manifest honesty and fairness. Because I've been one to postpone things with people because I didn't have the energy. But that's not fair to them. Um, or because something last minute comes up. I need to really 
be fair with how I plan out my days and my weekends and make sure other people don't feel affected by that. So those are my two resolutions. Don't overcommit on the weekends and be fair and honest with people I commit to. So on that note, (laughs) happy Halloween. Enjoy your candy. I wish you a, a good feeling launch to November and gentleness as you plan the last two months of the year, which is crazy to say. But to be honest, I can't wait for Christmas. That's very Tim Bernard of me, right? Nightmare before Christmas, Halloween, Christmas. I'm a Christmas person, I admit, big time. So bring it on, end of the year. Bring it on. I'm ready, but not too fast. Mm-hmm.